0: Imagine a business built on what matters most to you, one inspired by creativity and connection, where purpose leads to profit and wealth is measured not just by your bottom line, but by your higher self. Welcome to the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast, where we connect the spiritual with the practical to create a holistic approach to entrepreneurship. Leave the hustle behind and let your intuition lead the way as you grow a successful, fulfilling business and a joyful, radiant life. Hello, my wise ones, and welcome to this week's episode of the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. I'm your host, Lise McDonough, and I am so excited to share this episode with you because it's a little different. This week, I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, my colleague, and my client, Kimberly Dwyer. Kimberly is one of the founding members of Coach With Clarity, which is my membership site for intuitive coaches, helpers, and healers who want to develop a more aligned approach to the art of coaching. So whereas a lot of membership sites and courses and groups focus solely on business tactics, Coach With Clarity really focuses on how to develop the skills you need to become a powerful coach. So I brought Kim on this week to talk a little bit about her experience journeying into coaching, the trials, the tribulations, and the joys that she's faced as a coach, and also why Coach with Clarity was so important for her to join and how it served her practice. So Kim is a delightful woman. She really specializes in serving therapists who are looking to grow within their private practices. And it's just been such a joy to work with her over the last few years. I'm so honored to have her as a founding member of Coach with Clarity. We go into so much in this interview about what it means to set energetic boundaries, and why it's important to be so aware of how other people in our life can influence us for better or for worse. And we're really going to dive into that in the make it work moment. It's a fantastic episode. I can't wait to share it with you. So without further ado, welcome Kimberly Dwyer. Well, hello, Kim. Thank you so much for coming on the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. I am just thrilled to have you here. And I don't know if you can hear it, but my printer is pretty excited too because it's making all sorts of noise all of a sudden. Don't you just look at it? Well, up?
1: good morning to your printer.
0: Yeah, it senses your energy. It's really excited to have you. <laughs> so let's start at the very beginning. Why don't you share with the audience a little bit about yourself and your business and the work that you do for the world?
1: I am a clinical psychologist. I've been working for about 20 years, um, which makes me sound super old. (laughs) Um, In my kind of traditional clinical practice, I work with children, teens, and adults specializing in anxiety disorder treatment. Um, I also do a lot of neurodevelopmental evaluations, um, looking at ADHD, learning disabilities, autism, things of that nature. Um, And I have... (sighs) Clinically kind of run the gamut from um, state hospital work, outpatient community mental health, outpatient private, um, and started my own practice about 10 years ago. And then about four years ago, uh, co-formed a group practice with another provider. Um, so that's kind of what's what's going right now for me clinically. Um, and then a couple, well, more than a couple years ago, actually, I've been interested in coaching off and on probably since I Shortly after I first got my degree, I went to a, um, a coaching, you know, like an intensive workshop on coaching. Um, and it really wasn't at that time I was working in a school. I think I didn't throw that into my list of many past jobs. Things <laughs> <laughs> um, and, it, you know, I thought like, okay, this is great because in working with kids and teachers, there's, I, there's a huge role where you could be more involved as a coach than as more of a clinician in that kind of setting. But then didn't, you know, outside of that job, didn't really do anything with it formally until I started my own practice. And then I thought, okay, well, I can offer coaching and had a couple different ideas. I did a group for middle school kids. So it's much more coaching oriented than clinical around executive function strategies and skills and um, all that good stuff that kids need in order to excel in school. And then kind of offered that in general to adults. And what I was finding is that the overlap for me and defining my work was a little difficult or challenging, I guess, for me at that time. And kind of just dropped, you know, dropped the idea of coaching picked it back up a couple of years ago when I really felt like I was stuck in my clinical work, um, not really feeling a lot of energy around what I was doing and honestly just looking for something different to shake things up and um, use some different skills.
0: And I think that's probably around the time that you and I first kind of entered each other's worlds. Absolutely. Is that fair to say? Because we've known each other now for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And I think it was right around that time where you were trying to decide, okay, how how do I want to move forward with this? I have this group practice that um, is important to me and I've got my client care there. I also have this coaching background that I'm interested in, and and I remember sensing that there was this this kind of frenetic tension. Like, where do I go next? What do I do next? Is that is that yeah. fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think at the point, <laughs> and I laugh about this. Um, the point when I um, contacted you, I wanted things to change drastically and quickly, <laughs> which is probably not an uncommon spot for people to be in, and you know, really dove into what a coaching practice would look like, what aspects of my current work worked for me, um, what maybe needed to be tweaked to work for me better. Another realization that came to me through our work together was there were aspects that I needed fulfilled in my life that I was maybe looking to my work to fulfill and it wasn't coming from there and it was okay to find it somewhere else. So yeah, so those were kind of the things that were going on for me at that point. I think that's a
0: really important reflection that you just shared, that professionally uh, within your your therapy practice, there were things about it that were really rewarding and that you really enjoyed, but it wasn't 100% fulfilling. And so the first thought was, okay, well, then what can I do professionally that would be more fulfilling? And that's, that's I think, where the coaching came in and that's certainly a part of it. But I think what you just said is really important is that it it wasn't all about the professional piece, that mm-hmm. there were other aspects that needed some, some attention and some love in order to really feel fully fulfilled.
1: Right, absolutely. You know, I can't remember what it's called, but have you seen that, that diagram that's like four overlapping circles and the yes. centers? Yeah.
0: I, I actually have that in my, in my office downtown. Okay, I, I have so, a framed version of that. It's the ikigai and what's symbol. What's the absolute center called? That's, I think that's Ikigai. That's like your, your, like where your passion and your okay. interests and all of it overlaps. And I will place a link to that image in the show notes for sure. Okay. And that's,
1: and that's lovely. And yeah. if you can achieve that, you go, <laughs> but I don't think we all have to. And I think sometimes like we're sold on that story of like, oh yeah, align your passion and your financial, you know, stuff and your purpose in life and your spirituality. And they're all going to align in this one thing that you do. Yes. And it will be holy and sacred yes, and extraordinary. Sunbeam comes down from heaven and shines on you. Right. But it doesn't have to be that. And that's okay. It can be I'm fulfilled, you know, from my knowledge and service piece over here in my work and I'm fulfilled creatively a little in my work, but also in this other thing that I like to do when I'm not working and you know, and that's fine.
0: So I love what you've just suggested that there does not have to be and maybe is not one thing that will check all of the boxes off in your life for personal professional fulfillment that there's that's why we're humans we're multifaceted and so we can find that in different aspects of our life mm-hmm, exactly Ooh, I think that's really important yeah so I'm curious where then do you find that sense of fulfillment in areas of your life outside of your work
1: uh for me the creative piece has always been really important from from young like I've always been involved in like usually it's more arts what I think of as arts and crafts which is more like following directions and making this thing that comes out similar to what you expect it to look like you know more recently I've explored that more and just in terms of more expressive art so kind of jumping in without a plan so at different times, I've probably tried just about every medium, but my current one has been um, painting. Um, mm-hmm. So I enjoy that. Um, I also write write creatively and have a couple of manuscripts that I've been working on. So that's another outlet for me sometimes. And, you know, I, I think I'm just kind of the person that I kind of get intensively involved in one thing for a while and then shift to another thing for a while. And I think maybe that's okay too. So at different times, it's been, you know, different kinds of, Exercise, like I've, yoga at one point, I've done taekwondo and have a black belt in taekwondo. So it's, it's just my interests are kind of varied. Um, but when I get involved in something, it tends to be kind of an, more of an intense focus
0: you remind me of what Marie Forleo calls the multi-passionate
1: individual
0: where you do have a lot of different interests and, and they're all very important to you. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't do all of them at once or at the right. same time. And so there is an ebb and flow, mm-hmm. um, I will share with our audience that Kim is not giving herself enough credit with her creative endeavors. She is an excellent watercolor artist. Um, I've, I've seen her work. I actually have some of her work. It is, it's really gorgeous. And I love that, um, you know, that creative expression is, is something that it, it serves you, but it also brings beauty to others as well. Oh, thank you. That's You're it. welcome. You're welcome. I, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about your decision to pursue coaching, especially when you had a successful and, and still have a successful mm-hmm. therapy practice that you work in and that you've co-founded. Mm-hmm. What, what led you to pursue coaching to begin with and, and why are you doing that
1: work today? I'm trying to cast my brain back to um, some of the early conversations you and I had, and um, I think if I'm being hundred percent honest, there were aspects of it that were an escape from what I was doing day to day and starting something different. Also, like just, it just clicks with my personality and what we were just talking about, like starting something different is a way I can throw myself hundred percent into one thing. And be creative and do all, you know, I love doing like the color scheme and the logo and the website and the branding and, you know, the, all the marketing stuff really gives me an outlet for creative energy. So I can really love that while maybe ignoring the other things that are not working so well and other facets of the work that I'm doing. So, you know, I I know I joked with you, (laughs) it's not really a joke. It was kind of my reality that some of that for me was an exit plan to Mm -hmm. get out of doing clinical practice. And over the course of our work together, you know, I realized like, okay, you don't really need to exit, but you need to set better limits and boundaries on some of the work that you're already doing. And that that was okay. That like I could pay attention to what was important to me and what was working for me. And just because a person can do something and it's in their skill set doesn't mean that they have to do something. And that was, you know, like I say that, and it sounds like, well, duh. But that was kind of a light bulb um, moment, you know. <laughs> Especially, I think for people that are helpers and healers, you know, we have a strong value of service and competency, and you know, sharing knowledge um, and helping. And to say, hey, look, I'm not going to help in this capacity anymore because it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of feels selfish, you know. <laughs> Initially,
0: yeah, it can when you're setting mm-hmm. that boundary. Mm-hmm. It's like in order to say yes to you I, or yes to myself, I have to say no to you. And right. for those of us that don't have a lot of practice doing that, that can feel really uncomfortable. Sure. I want to go back though and talk about your initial decision to pursue coaching as kind of, it, it, there was a mix there. And in an, in an earlier podcast episode, I talked about kind of the fear intuition spectrum when we're making decisions and Mm -hmm. how a lot of times we fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. And it sounds like in in some ways that was the case for you too. That Mm -hmm. There was maybe like an exit plan, some avoidance going on Mm -hmm. in that decision. So maybe that's kind of the fear piece coming in. But there was also this opportunity for you to really tap into your creativity, to create something new, to seek opportunities, which is very in line with that kind of growth-oriented energy and and maybe also your intuition saying there's something here. Sure. And, And I really appreciate that you were able to share that experience and show both sides, that it wasn't total, like, this is an avoidance strategy i want out and it also wasn't like this is pure and like i'm doing this only out of the best intentions like it really was a little bit of both and i think for most of us in life like that's that's how our decisions happen it's it's a little bit of fear and a and a little bit of inner knowing
1: yeah and you know the exciting pieces were figuring out a new way to use an old skill set or to maybe even just to revitalize a skill set um, mm-hmm. to shift into more of a positive growth model, you know, just brought a lot more energy to what I was doing. And that was uh, important to me.
0: So tell me what your coaching practice looks like today. What kind mm-hmm. of work are you doing? Who are you working with? And, and how, how is it going for you?
1: Sure. So I work with um, private practice providers um, and similar helpers and healers, um, mostly mental health folks. And help them um, kind of in three different stages of their business, either launching a private practice, growing a private practice, or what I call redefining a private practice, which is more like examining where they're at if it's not working um, and determining really what they want, what tapping back into what they're passionate about, passionate about in starting their practice um, and how to align themselves with that and set the boundaries that they need around their work so they can move back into that space and work from a place of passion.
0: So it's really interesting, Kim, because it's, I sense like you are able to engage with private practitioners at different points of the life cycle of their business. You know, I I envision almost like the, those who are launching their practice, you know, that's very much in the infancy and childhood stage. And then those who are looking to grow or scale it, you know, it's kind of that teenage into young adulthood. And then as happens with so many of us, when we hit say middle adulthood and we Mm -hmm. start wondering what's this all for, sometimes we do need to kind of reevaluate and, and figure out what's going to work best for us. And that's, that's kind of the third stage that, that you talked about. Mm -hmm. So you're really able to work with private practitioners at every point in their life cycle.
1: Right, exactly. And and I think you're absolutely right. The focus is a little bit different at each point, but at each point, like similar, like typically I'm always starting with people with helping them define their values and their passions and kind of their why for the work that they're doing. Um, Cause that, that lets them first of all, enter into more of an <laughs> energetic space around what they're doing for people that are like more in that, I love that you called it middle adult and not something else. On the stage. <laughs> um, it allows them to really reflect a lot of times. I think we mean well, but we jump in without a huge plan. And mm-hmm. maybe again, back to what you were saying that, you know, fear, fear-based versus wisdom-based if we're a lot of people enter private practice because I've got to get out of this agency job. This is killing Mm -hmm. me. It's crushing my soul, which sure, that's a good reason to leave a job, but it's not necessarily a good reason to start your own business. It can certainly work, but if you start your business from get me out of here, exit strategy, um, you may not, you know, really align with what's important to you and the work that you want to do. And then, when we do that, we're kind of in that scarcity mode of I'll take any warm body that comes into the room as long as they can pay me, I'll work with you. That's kind of a recipe for disaster and for burnout.
0: Yeah. So it gets back then to what we were talking about earlier, those, why it's so important to have boundaries Mm -hmm. in that kind of work energetically. And also knowing like, I will say yes to this client and I will say no to this potential client, even if it means saying no to revenue, which- Sometimes feels counterintuitive as a business owner, but Mm -hmm. when we're saying yes to the wrong people, then we're actually closing ourselves off from saying yes to the right ones because we don't have space.
1: One of my quote unquote favorite stories (laughs) from when I started my own practice, and that's partially why I went in the direction that I went in is I felt like there needed to be um, kind of an owner's manual for having your private practice. And I know there are different ones out there, but I needed my own owner's manual that uniquely reflected what works for me and for, um, and I felt in, in doing that, there was value to share with others. And one of the things that um, occurred for me early in my practice was I, I got a referral from somebody I really looked up to um, in my community. It was somebody who was a training director at another program. Also somebody with a very different therapeutic orientation than me, which should have been like warning sign number one. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was eager to please them. I was eager to maintain um, a contact with them, you know, to be a, a good student. I was definitely a much more in a student mentor kind of role with this person and took on a um, a client that was really a bad fit for me. And you know, within a couple of weeks, the whole thing imploded and, you know, it was fine. Everybody parted ways without an issue. But if I had paid better attention to a lot of warning flags that came up, you know, in terms of orientation of work, in terms of the needs that were going on, in terms of some conflict that was already in place, you know, within. Within the, the dynamic that I would be working with, um, which I know, from, I know it was not a good setting for me. And some people do a great job with that. And what would have served me better was finding that person that would have done a great job with that, who probably was in my office, <laughs> probably somebody I was subletting space from could have done a much better job with that case. And instead, you know, it ended with, you know, client not very happy I'm sure the referral source was probably not very happy and it didn't, it didn't serve anybody. So like,
0: you weren't happy either.
1: I was definitely not happy. No, I was
0: not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I want to thank you for sharing that example because I think so many of us have done that where we've said yes to something out of fear or out of people pleasing or whatever the motivation is when on some level there was this voice inside our inner wisdom saying, don't do this. (laughs) This is not the right decision. Um, so I'm, I'm curious then in kind of a broader context, how does your intuition, your inner wisdom inform your decision-making, whether it's in your business or, or outside your business, how Mm -hmm. how does it show up for you?
1: Well, for sure. It's that, that niggling sense of, Oh, this isn't a good idea. It's that gut Mm -hmm. feeling. Um, and I've definitely gotten much better about listening to that, even if it's just, taking a moment and kind of waiting for discernment rather than jumping in to a situation. If there's something that doesn't, that feels a little bit off. Um, I definitely honor that. And, you know, for me, like it just over time has become like, there's a spiritual element to that. Like, I think that that's my own contextual understanding of that is like that wisdom is our soul and that's the divine. And like, you better pay attention to that because (laughs) there's a lesson in there for you. And if you you can tap into it and listen or you're going to find out by things not working.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, down the
1: road and I'd rather listen in the front <laughs> agreed, you know, than then have to clean up the mess later on.
0: Yes, because I I definitely can remember moments in my life where I did not heed that internal message, that that knowing and even in at the moment, it was like I know I should be saying no, and yet I'm going to say yes, and inevitably, like you pay the consequences later. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I I think about it like I am always drawn to these like socio evolutionary explanations for behavior. And we we're we're a social species. We would not have made it to the point that we're at if we didn't care about what other people think of us, and if we weren't attracted to making things good in the tribe. Right. And in order to do that, especially for women, but that's a broad brush to paint with. um, We're really drawn to appeasing others and keeping the peace and all of that. And we often do, and we've been socialized. Many of us have been socialized to do that at the expense of our own needs. And we pay the price. I think when we, when we do that.
0: Yeah. And so part of my experience as an entrepreneur, and, and I'm going to assume yours as well, is learning how to step into our own power and to say, no, I'm making this decision for me. It gets back to what we talked about before, realizing that saying yes to ourselves is not an act of selfishness. It's actually being self-full. And that when we prioritize ourselves, uh, it actually sets us up to serve other people much more powerfully. Mm -hmm. And there is some conditioning that we have to take a really close look at and and question and then create our own operating manual, essentially, to figure out, okay, how how am I going to navigate this? How am I going to move forward in a way Mm -hmm. where I'm not sacrificing myself and I'm still supporting other people and I'm finding this balance? And and it it takes time. And and I, I don't think it's something we arrive at. I think it's something we're constantly striving to
1: do. Absolutely. And I I think it's an act of self love. You know, I I care enough about myself to to set these limits that are going to keep me safe. And in doing that, I can, I can throw love out into the world. Because if I'm doing something, and I don't really want to do it, like you're not getting 100% of me, you're not getting, you know, if it's, I'm not being 100% of a friend, I'm not being 100% of a therapist, I'm not being 100% of whatever it is, either, because I don't have the skill set, I'm it's just not a good fit for me there's something else about the dynamic that that just isn't working and and that's okay you know we don't have to serve everybody it goes back to what i was saying earlier that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should
0: exactly and it means knowing what you want to stand up for, what you want to fight Mm -hmm. for and where you want to invest your time and your energy. So I I want to switch gears a little bit and, and I'll be perfectly transparent with the audience. One of the reasons I was really excited to bring Kim on the show, well, in part, as you're already Realizing she's just an extraordinary person, a very talented therapist, a really wise coach. And she's also one of the founding members of Coach with Clarity, which is my membership program for coaches who are searching for a more aligned approach to coaching, who want to work on their craft, and who want to really up level as coaches. And as a founding member, Kim has really seen and continues to witness the evolution of the membership program. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to to bring her. On the show, and also kind of let her, as a member, share some of her like behind-the-scenes observations as well. Mm -hmm. And so, Kim, I kind of want to start at the beginning and first ask you what what prompted you to join Coach with Clarity in the first place. I mean, you're you're a talented coach. You you've you know
1: what you're doing. There's a lot of options out there. Why Coach with Clarity? Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate enough to have already um, been acquainted with you, Lee, and and the Dev worked with you, Um, and I knew from the beginning that if you were um, starting a membership program, that it would be one that was worthwhile. Um, and I know that I think my approach aligns pretty well with your approach. Um, and I think that's important for anybody working with any coach. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who can help, but finding one who aligns with your unique view of the world is super important. Um, so I knew that piece was already in place. So that part was kind of the no-brainer part. Um, and, you know, you and I had worked together um, in a more formal way, Mm-hmm. Um, but had stopped probably you know, six or seven months or so before you launched the membership program. So it was a great way for me to like kind re-engage. of, yeah, <laughs> re-engage. And I'm, it's almost, it's, it was re-engaged, but it was, there's an accountability piece and it's accountability to myself, mm-hmm. not to anybody else. You mm-hmm. know, not, and, and yes, the group does provide a format for that, but it's more like, okay, I'm committing to do this. You know, I'm going to show up and do it. And it allowed me a space to have that accountability and something to kind of reignite the um, creativity and like the spark of passion that I have around um, doing this work.
0: Oh, I love hearing that the membership is providing that for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to go back to the point you made earlier too, about how important it is to feel like connected with the person behind the program.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think back to when I started my coaching practice, jokingly, like before I knew better. And I spent so much money on courses and programs. And I really was not familiar enough with the people behind them Mm -hmm. and I'm sure they're wonderful people. Like I'm not questioning their integrity at all. I'm sure they're great people who really stand behind what, what they provide, but there was not a match between their worldview and their perspective and mine. And so it left me feeling like I didn't belong or I wasn't getting it. It just, because there was that mismatch, it was not a good experience for, for me as, as the as the student. Right. And so for Coach with Clarity, it's equally important to me that people who join really feel aligned with how I view the world. Not that mine's the right way, but that there's like a simpatico there, you know, uh-huh. that, that we can connect with each other. And I think that's true with any coach. There are plenty of coaches out there for coaches. Uh-huh. There are plenty of coaches out there for therapists. Uh-huh. There's something about what you bring to the table as a therapist or as a coach for therapists, that's gonna make you the right fit for your people. And right. and I think the more that we can kind of embrace that, again, it gets back to saying yes to the right clients right. and knowing that like they're
1: out there. Yes, absolutely. And then moving from that fear-based scarcity mindset into, you know, more of the abundance that it's out there for me. I need to build it. I need to share it with the world and I need to have faith that my people are going to show up.
0: Exactly. And I think that's also one of the things about the membership program that was really important to me to cultivate was having that strong sense of community so that there were Mm -hmm. other people there who were supporting you in that process, who were saying, keep going, you got this, or who were saying, you know what, maybe we need to reevaluate this point or this part uh, Mm -hmm. so that they really have your best interest in mind as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that, is super strong about your program, you know, and it's with founding members, it's a little bit more intimate around that, but just having, having that network of people, you know, that it can be as quick as throwing a quick question out to the, you know, to the group and getting some immediate feedback and a variety of perspectives. Um, You know, even within like similar view of the world, everybody has their own, their own spin and their own area of expertise to draw from in that, You know, for a lot of people that maybe don't need, like, I don't need a ninety-minute coaching session to figure out, you know, what to do about this one particular question I have. But I want to, I want to crowdsource it a little bit. I want somebody to tell me, like, hey, did you reflect on X, Y, Z? And, you know, I can, I can do some of that work. You know, when I
0: when I think about Coach with Clarity, the the three pillars that I've really tried to focus on are content, community, and connection. So the content, of course, is valuable through the guest expert trainings and the Q and A sessions, and and even observing the hot seats and seeing how a coaching session unfolds and how we ask the questions we do and and how we structure the sessions. All of that is really valuable content coupled with the toolkit and the templates, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But in many ways, I, I actually think the community and the connection pillars are where the real value are. Mm-hmm. For the reasons you just described, you have access to a community that is supportive and engaging and that you can serve and they can serve you. I mean, it's just this lovely back and forth and that leads to real connection both amongst the members, but ideally it promotes a deeper connection within yourself, within myself as who who I am as a coach and how do I want to show up and serve the world. And so what you've described, I just have to say, it's it's really validating and I want to thank you because it just reinforces the fact
1: that those three pillars really are the heart of the program. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know I, I'm reflecting on what you're saying about observing um, like hot seat coaching like i th- I think that's extremely valuable for for anybody who wants to coach I, I again reflecting on experience as a therapist, um, how many supervised hours of practice did we all have before we were licensed I mean thousands yeah. <laughs> literally thousands of hours um, and some of that you know was you know, being watched through one-way glass or a supervisor in the room. And some of it was, you know, reviewing tapes and all that. And we don't necessarily have that for coaching. So the opportunity to watch somebody who's really mastered their craft um, and watch how they reflect and how they take in, you know, information and lining, you know, for myself. And I'm watching that I'm lining up in my head. Okay, well, I would say this now, or I'm wondering about X, Y, Z. And it's really an interesting process from, a modeling of coaching piece, but it's also a really interesting process from a modeling of like being in that position because, you know, with a group of coaches, you know, we all have unique but similar experiences. And I think the things that we're wanting support on tend to overlap. So there's value there too.
0: I think you're right. And, and I think that's why the experiential component of the membership site will always be kind of my, my primary, it will always be the heart of it. Because Mm -hmm. I do think that there's so much value, whether you are the one in the hot seat receiving the coaching or not, there's still so much to be gained from it. And quite Mm -hmm. honestly, as the coach, I gain a lot from it. I learn Mm -hmm. every time I conduct a coaching session, I learn something new about the process. I learn something new about myself as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's really so beautiful about this profession is that it is a constant unfolding. And that if we're open to it, we're always able to up level. Well, I think this is a great time then to move into uh, the next segment of the podcast episode, which is the Make It Work Moment. So this week's Make It Work Moment is brought to you by the Clarity Summit. I'm super excited because at the end of September, I am launching a five-day event, so it starts on September 30th, and it is designed for intuitive helpers, healers, and coaches who are ready to grow their businesses. So during the summit, you will learn practical business strategies and resources directly from over 18 industry leaders, including some of my closest friends and colleagues. So Raina Pomeroy will be there, Natalie Gingrich, Andrea Jones, Allison Perrier, Melody Wilding. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So we're going to cover everything. Everything from business growth to audience building, from social media strategy to mindset mastery. We are going over the basics of how to create and grow a profitable and fulfilling coaching business. And then on the very last day of the summit, I will be hosting a special masterclass that takes a deep dive into an aligned approach to the art of coaching. So I really hope you will join us because the best part is that it is free. There is absolutely zero cost to attend the summit live, so there is zero reason not to sign up. So all you have to do is head over to ClaritySummit.com and you can confirm your free registration and I will see you at the summit. So Kim, it is time for the make it work moment and listeners of the show know that whenever I have a guest on, I love to allow them to provide the make it work moment. And it's a great way to synthesize a lot of what we've talked about uh, already in our discussion. And so I'm curious what make it work moment you'd like to leave for our listeners.
1: Yeah, first, I'll start with a little um, a little background about why this is important. And you and I chatted a little bit about this previously. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was really a light bulb moment for me was getting to a point where I was able to recognize what was my stuff and what was other people's stuff. And I think intellectually, I could have told you, like, I know that I get that. Like, of course, I see what's my, you know, what's my stuff, my issues, my whatever perceptions I'm bringing to the world and what's other people's um, judgments and reflections that they're projecting onto me. I noticed that was a real shift for me and really helped me move in the direction that I wanted, not just in my coaching practice, my therapy practice, but like in my life in general was getting better and recognizing where my where I end and where other people start. Mm-hmm. Um, and intellectually that sounds, you know, when I say that it sounds kind of obvious, but I, you know, emotionally and energetically, I think that's a different thing. Yes. Um, and, and knowing, you know, that, that that's setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I don't pay attention to that and I allow my energy to kind of get like pulled into this vacuum because of somebody else's low energy or negativity or, or whatnot, that, that can happen. But this is the part that was really the aha moment was that when I allow it to happen, I'm colluding with that person against myself. And when I noticed that, I was like, oh God, girl, how did you do that to yourself? <laughs> how did you stumble down that little hole? And Yeah. I'm, just, I'm,
0: I'm like, the, the word colluding is so powerful because then it's like, oh, I am an active participant in this. This yeah. is not happening to me. It's not that this other person is doing this to me. I am partnering with them to create this outcome that I don't want
1: and i think you just hit the nail on the head it's that shift from like these things are happening to me and these people around me are being mean to me or they're limiting me or they're they're doing their thing and i don't like that to oh i allowed that there's something in what in my action or my inaction that allowed that thing to happen and i need to take ownership for it and if i don't want it to happen again i need to pay better attention and i need to be like a kinder Keeper of those boundaries for myself, and maybe a firmer keeper of those boundaries for the people around me. That's huge.
0: And so I love this as inspiration for the make it work moment because I'm thinking that there are probably some questions or some signals that the listeners can cue into to ask themselves, like, to what extent am I actively participating in what I don't want in my life?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think a, a big one is noticing those shifts in energy. Um, you know what what I think of immediately is you know when um, if you're a doer um, and you have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that you you know goals that you want to achieve, there's a lot of times that we can come up against resistance to that. And I I think a lot of it is other people's projections upon us that, you know, gosh, how are you doing all these things? And I have no desire to do all those things that you're doing. Therefore, you must be doing too much or you must be scattered or you must um, have bad choices around your goals or whatever it is like, and that's their stuff. That's the part that's their stuff. But noticing that for me, like if I'm super excited about something and I get met with, oh gosh, you need to like, you need to slow down or you need to stop doing that. And I'm like, just feel like kind of defeated when I, yeah. when I get that, you know, and that's like what I was talking about. That's that energy vacuum of like, mm-hmm. suck it right out.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But instead it's like, well, do I have to slow down? Do right. I really have to
1: like, just mm-hmm. cause you would, does that mean I need to? Right. Yeah. Right. And I see this, I see this frequently um, amongst therapists, um, and a big backbone to the work that I do is that we all have our unique practice and that's okay. And there's not one way to do private practice, Mm -hmm. but there, you know, there can be like these little wars that break out when therapists talk about their policies and their procedures and why they do things the way they do them and why they have their fee structure set the way they have it and why they choose to work with the people that they choose to work with. A lot of that I think becomes like our projections onto each other, you know, you do it that way. I don't do it that way. Therefore, there must be something wrong in the way you do it that way. Otherwise, if that was the right way to do it, I would do it that way too, rather than tapping back into, oh, that's an interesting way to do it. It doesn't really work for me and that's okay. It's a great thing that it's a great big world and there's lots (laughs) of clients for everybody. Exactly. So I think what
0: you've just described is really important is, is noticing the boundary between our energy and someone else's, how other people's energy can influence us. And then using that awareness to really draw a line, a boundary between, you know, what's my stuff and what someone else's and to what extent will I allow other people to dictate my actions. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful, Kim. Oh, I have so enjoyed just having this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for for being a guest on the show. I am positive our listeners are going to want to reach out and connect with you. So where can they do that? What's the best way to find you?
1: Sure. So my... Uh, coaching practice online is uh, called intentional private practice and it's www.intentionalprivatepractice.com. I also have a Facebook group called intentional private practice community, um, which is for um, it's mostly mental health folks in there. Um, there are some other small business owners, um, but it's really a place to, to talk about practice building marketing um, and all of that from a, more of a values aligned perspective. Um, so those are, those are some good ways to find me. Excellent. Well, Kim,
0: thank you again for coming on Work Your Inner Wisdom. It has just been a blast having you, and I will see you over in the Coach with Clarity membership. Sounds good. Thank you, Lee. I loved that conversation with Kim. She is clearly an insightful woman, and I have so enjoyed working with her as both an individual client and now as one of the founding members of Coach with Clarity. She really shows up and supports everyone in the membership. And it's people like her that make the membership strong. And it's why I am so excited to be launching it right now and welcoming new members into Coach With Clarity. So if you are an intuitive coach or healer, and you want to explore what it means to show up as a powerful coach and how to grow and expand as a coach, then Coach With Clarity is for you. So head on over to coachwithclarity.com and find out all of the information about the membership. The hot seat coaching calls, the Q&A calls, the Coach with Clarity toolkit, which is all of my templates and guides that I use in my business, the co-working sessions, the partner match. I mean, there is so much in this membership. You are going to be blown away with everything you have access to. So again, head over to coachwithclarity.com to learn more. And I cannot wait to see you inside the membership. All right, my friends, that's it for another episode of the Work Your Inner Wisdom podcast. My name is Leisha McDonough. It has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And until next week, remember to let your inner wisdom lead the way.